from our studios in New York, Chicago, and the United Kingdom. This is Rail Group On Air's special podcast series, The Coronavirus and the Rail Industry. Good Sunday afternoon, everyone. This is Bill Wilson, Editor-in-Chief of RTNS Magazine. A little over a week ago, I had the chance to talk to Alicia Trost, who is the Chief Communications Officer for the Bay Area Rapid Transit in San Francisco. At the time of the interview, BART ridership was down 92%. But instead of looking at it like a glass half-empty, Trost and BART was looking at a glass half-full. I would like for you to take a few minutes to listen to our conversation and hear about how BART is dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. Rail Group On Air will continue its podcast series on the coronavirus over the next few weeks, so before this interview got lost in the archives, I thought I would share it with you. Here is the interview in its entirety. Just talk about the current situation there at BART. Um... I'm assuming you, like many transit agencies, ridership is down. Um, just explain how things are going, the conditions right now. All right, so ridership at BART. So the beginning of March is when this really started to take place in the San Francisco Bay Area. And the first week wasn't so bad. Um, it was really only seeing about like a 10% dip in ridership. Um, but because we rely so much on um, our fare box to pay for operating, we knew immediately just off that first week that we were going to be in a financial crisis uh, very quickly. That second week is when um, a lot of the big companies started to say work from home. So then we grew to about a 60% um, drop in ridership. And then it was the, four, the third week that um, the shelter in place, and that's when we got into the – uh, high 80s, and now four weeks in, um, the fourth week we're in the 90. We're down. Yesterday we were down 92 percent. So okay. to imagine losing 92 percent of your riders in a three-week period, um, it's devastating for Bart's budget and for staff, and um, you know, or just even trying to land our current budget um, whole was going to be difficult. And so now we're facing a much more dire situation. What was that budget hole before all this? We had gotten it down to $12 million. That was also this really – we were really proud. We were going to go to our board of directors. Um, in the end of March, we always give them a preliminary budget memo of, you know, what's to come for the next budget and where we at with closing the current budget. And we had – we were $30 million, um, um under budget, and we had between January and we brought that to $12 million, so we were on a positive trend, and we were only going to have to possibly dip into our reserves for just a little bit, and then it just the bottom fell out. <laughs> so. how, how much do you have in reserves? $50 million. Okay. We've got $50 million in reserves. Um, and, and right when this started, we were calculating what kind of revenue loss um, per month um, is realized at around an 89, 90% loss. And we just quickly realized pretty much we were going to be out of our reserve, you know, having to go into our reserves and running out of it. Probably we had enough to get through March service, probably April service, and then May. Um, so just the idea that we would run through our reserve in a, in a month and a few weeks was 
just jaw-dropping. So uh, obviously RTNS were more concerned. You know, we're concerned about you know maintenance and construction, and all that stuff. How much uh, goes from you draw from your fares and sales tax that goes into like maintenance and construction and all that? So we are one of the rare agencies where we actually take some of our operating revenue and we put it aside for capital rebuilding projects, um, and that's what. Um, how we've been able to, you know, stay ahead of our asset management and making sure we're taking care of our infrastructure and being able to replace our train cars. And then we, the Bay Area voters recently passed Measure RR, which is letting is funding us for our track work. And really, in this situation, it's it is those um, construction projects that are going to benefit the most during this these horrible times for our operating budget because what we're doing is as we reduce service little by little, we are moving employees from operating work to capital rebuilding projects. So rebuilding, um, replacing uh, our rail and our rail cover boards and our cables that power the trains um, and shoring up our tunnels in downtown San Francisco that are leaking water. All of this work had been on a certain timeline and now we can actually start to actually put more labor into it quicker, they still have to maintain social distancing. So that's a complicated um, part of it. But we are going to find a way because what better time to get some of this work done than when you have like record low ridership. And it helps our operating budget by doing so. So how have you adjusted service-wise? I'm assuming you guys have cut service. What, what kind of schedule are you guys running right now? So we've made a few adjustments. The biggest one is that we usually close at midnight. And we just um, on Tuesday was the first day, or on Monday, sorry, Monday was the first day that we closed at 9 p.m. So closing three hours early, that's not insignificant for our riders, though because we're only carrying 10% of our riders, we looked at the data and it was 2,000 riders that were going to be impacted um, by by that, but by closing at 9 p.m., what it does is it gets us three extra hours um, during what we call the blankets, which is our overnight uh, track work window to get all of this work done. And so we're able to rebuild our infrastructure um, during those extra hours and get those employees to focus their work on that um, while still being very impactful, but we know that the data shows us those were the right three hours to cut from so that because it's the fewest uh, in the system compared to the rest of the day. So we are closing at 9 right now, and we eliminated, and there's not many of them, there's some trains we run during the peak commute hours on our busiest line, some extra trains that make our headway shorter, and so we eliminated those, but we still could maintain our base level service during commute is 15 minutes. There's other bigger systems in the U.S. that provide much more frequent service um, than that. And so while some of the bigger systems have really cut back service, we are still doing pretty great. We're providing really great service. It's our base service. We pretty much trains every 15 minutes um, during the commute times. Uh, it's just the significance of closing at 9. And then on Saturday, we'd normally open at 6, and we said we're opening at 8 a.m. Um, and then that's just until further notice. We we don't know how long we're going to keep it like that. It depends how long the shelter-in-place orders last. depends how 
long it takes for writers to come back to BART. Um, it depends on our budget because we know we're getting a certain number of savings. Um, with that 9 p.m. closure, we've taken 250 employees, so 200 from maintenance and engineering, and focused them on the rebuilding projects, and then 50 from rolling stock and shops, and they are going to work on our fleet of the future uh, project, which is all capital funds. Uh, at some point, they were going to have to be trained on how to maintain the cars anyways, and then there's some modifications that need to be done to those cars, and so now we can maybe even speed those, speed that up. So um, pretty significant to be able to take 250 employees and have them focus in on, the, um, on those projects instead. So how is your sanitary uh, process, sanitation process working right now? So cleaning right now is one of the most important things we can do for disinfecting, right, not just um, for our employees but for the riders. Um, what's taking place in the stations is that the, all the touch point areas and the work areas, so a station agent booth where the station agent um, spends most of their time, those are being wiped down eight times a day. And then for the trains, we are every time a train um, ends a run, so it makes a loop, The every kind of place you touch your hand is getting wiped down with disinfectant. And then the bigger scrubbing and then the fogging, if you've heard about this most of the transit systems are doing it now it's sort of like a spray machine with this enzyme that very very quickly dries very quickly sprays the entire area and then disinfects it all and so we have enough of that um, to last about 25 weeks um, to be able to fog our entire um, fleet of train cars and it's Right when we started to use it, we immediately started to get um, tweets from our riders. Your car smells so clean, and and even the stations, everything is so clean. Thank you so much for cleaning, and um, so that's been really rewarding also to have people praise our our cleaners and the janitors and those cleaning the trains and getting that um, acknowledgement. One, there's just less foot traffic, so it's going to look cleaner. But two, they're really really focusing on cleaning and taking great pride. We actually haven't seen a big dip in attendance so far, and knock on wood, our employees have been very healthy. We've had no positive cases um, of COVID-19 from any employee, and they're all rising to the occasion and coming to work. And yes, they're practicing social distancing and using a lot of hand sanitizer to stay safe, but it's, we're really proud to say that our employees are showing up to make sure essential workers have a way to, um, to get to their jobs. So it looks like Congress is going to pass a stimulus package. Um, I know that um, you know, MTA in New York is asking for $4 billion in federal relief. I believe APTA Association, they're asking that transit agencies need as much as $24 billion. Without really knowing the details of the stimulus package, if, say, if agencies were to receive, transit agencies like yourself were to receive overall $24 billion, is that going to help? I mean, I know something's better than nothing, but uh, how much is, do you think that's going to help out your operations? So we know it's not going to fill the entire um, revenue loss. There's just, there's just no way we're ever going to get that level of money. But it's a great first step and a great down payment to at least uh, know that we're not going to have to shut down, to ch shut the trains down um, in two months. We, from what we're being told of the $25 billion for the Bay, the San Francisco Bay Area, the Metropolitan Transportation Commission will get about $1.3 billion, and they will be the ones that dole it out to the various transit systems 
in the Bay Area, and we're still waiting to hear if they're going to use a formula to do that or if it's just needs-based based on what each system has, has lost um, or some other way. So um, we don't know yet how much we'll get. We do, we're hearing that the Bay Area region will get $1.3 billion for transit. We still don't know um, what, if anything, we'll get from the state. But right now we are just very grateful to have been specifically you know, that transit was a specific line item in the bill, um, that there's no, you know, that it was made very clear that transit was going to get money um, and to the tune of $25 billion, which was how much the many transit systems, including BART, just recently sent a letter uh, to congressional leaders, and it was requesting $25 billion. So it, it, at, we said at least $25 billion, and so that's what we're getting, but we, but it's, it's better the, the initial package, I think, one of the initial bills earlier um, had it as, uh, as 20 billion. So even getting the extra five is is something that I'm sure all transit systems are grateful for this morning. So, you know, I know it's probably very difficult to predict at this point, but you know, how long do you think it's going to take, you know, for you to get back up? Say, I mean, let's put the coronavirus aside. Let's say it just kind of flattens out and and everything's lifted as far as shelter at home and all that stuff. How long do you think it's going to take to recover and get back to that, like, $12 million in the hole point that you got in January, do you think? We don't think it'll happen anytime soon. Um, there's likely going to be a recession. I'm not an economist. <laughs> I can't predict things, but it's just the direction that is likely heading. And so I think all transit systems um, need to know that they're facing much lower ridership um, and that many, including BART, were already struggling with ridership, seeing small decreases while our peak commute was doing great. It was still growing even. We were starting to lose riders this past two years on nights and weekends, um, as many people are just choosing to drive where they want to go um, on the weekends or um, maybe taking um, an Uber or a Lyft because it's cheaper when you're traveling in a group to take a car ride instead of um, paying extra fares for a transit system. Um, so we don't know yet, but we know that it's we're in for the long haul, and we don't think it's something that'll be recovered from quickly, especially BART specifically, since we do rely 60% um, of our operating budget is paid for by the fares. So it's very significant when you even have the smallest dip in ridership. So yes, APTA as well as other transit leaders were asking for as much as $25 billion in the federal stimulus package. I did misspoke there. They got the $25 billion. And yes, things are bad for BART, just like things are bad for transit agencies across the country. But I do like the fact that they buckled up and they are now focusing on the future. And that is in the form of construction. So thought that was a rather rosy outlook. Thank you once again to Alicia Trost at BART for her time and her insight. From all of us at Road Group News, everyone, please stay safe, stay indoors. This is Bill Wilson, and I will see you down the line.